Cheers. Damn you, old man. and welcome back to the show. My name is Talat. It's been a little while, but uh, I'm excited to be here and to talk to you all about various topics. First thing on the docket, uh, I'm going to jump right into it. Black Widow. I have been waiting for this movie since they announced it. I She's my favorite Avenger. I am so excited because if you've read the comics, you know that Natasha Romanoff, or in, in the comics... Um, Natasha Romanov with a V, as is the Russian spelling, and her real name is Natalia, uh, is a very dynamic and in-depth character. Uh, She has a lot going for her, and she has a lot that she has also hidden in her past. She has a lot of traumas and, and triggers and just so much depth to her that they've kind of nerfed her in the MCU, right? Um... And because it is the fault of, I'm going to say it, men don't know how to write female characters, strong, a good strong female character. I mean, they were putting Black Widow in high-heeled boots during combat. Like, that's just, that's not, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It, I never understood it. And um, I'm just going to preface this with Black Widow movie spoilers. If you haven't seen it. Bookmark this, save it, remember it, see the movie, come back to it, listen to it. All right, because there are a lot of things I want to talk about in this film. Really important things, really important concepts. It was directed by a woman. It was executive produced by Scarlett Johansson. So there are a lot of things different in this film than there are in Winter Soldier or Endgame or... Infinity War, or the other ones where she is, the first Avengers and the second Avengers specifically. And I'm going to talk about those differences. So again, if you haven't seen it, um, leave now, bookmark this podcast, watch the movie, come back to this. Anyway, Black Widow. Like I said, executive produced by Scarlett Johansson, obviously Kevin Feige, you know, with all his mastermind stuff uh, had to do with this. He's in the opening credits. Directed by Kate Shortland, who had done smaller works, um, but was handpicked by Scarlett Johansson to direct this film. This movie goes into so much depth without really shoving it completely in your face. Like, in I'll, like, I'll explain this. So in the opening, the opening credits are pretty haunting, right? Like, every time I watch it, it makes me uncomfortable, and the first time I watched it, I wanted to like crawl out of my seat in the theater and just leave, especially with that Nirvana haunting opening when they're they're human trafficking children, right? Like they're trafficking children. That's exactly what's happening. And for Marvel to showcase that, I think is a is a huge deal, and I'm very proud of them. Um, and it's something that happens every day, and to sh- it's it's so uncomfortable to watch, but it's you have to watch it, you know. Um, it, it's a fantastic opening. They did such a good job. Uh, you go through the movie, you're following Natasha, and then you meet Yelena. And Yelena is, she's a little younger. She's about five years younger. She is 
funny. She's witty. She's sarcastic. She's relatable. Her character is the same age as me. And it's 27. Florence Pugh, the wonderful Florence Pugh, who plays Yelena Belova, is 25. Same ballpark. The humor is very relatable. They got that writing right. They got it right for, for you know, the type of person they want her to be. Um, and I, I think in the comics, Yelena is not Natasha's sister, right? Yelena is her, like, competition. Or Yelena sees Natasha as competition. Um, and they made them sisters in the movie. And I think it all the family dynamic just worked really well. I think the casting was fantastic. Marvel usually hits on casting. So he did a really great job. Um, Florence Pugh just blew it out of the water. Like, you know, everyone has said it. Like, she just phenomenal. But every single performance in this movie was fantastic. There was not one performance that was lacking. Everything was phenomenal. And the, because the actors and actresses that they had were great. So you have Scarlett Johansson, who's obviously fantastic, has been Natasha for so long, fits into that character so well at this point, just knows how to play her, did her such a good job. Uh, Florence Pugh with Yelena did awesome. Just just absolutely awesome. Dave Harbour, David Harbour with Red Guardian, we know him from Stranger Things, as Hopper. He was great. He was so fu- He was fun. He was interesting he was hilarious he was perfectly timed his jokes just awesome and rachel weiss rachel weiss who plays melina who's the mother just wow you know just wow like that whole cast they were all just so good i i can't say it enough just phenomenal um the other part the big issue that the movie hits on is um, a woman's right to choose and a woman's bodily autonomy. Um, there's been a lot of uh, griping about Taskmaster, and I've seen a lot of it mainly from people who, man or woman, I mean, I don't know. I personally have happened to see it more from men just by my own personal browsing when I've been on the internet, when I've been on TikTok or whatever, the comments, you know. Um, and... People, if you went to see this movie for Taskmaster and nothing else, you were always going to be disappointed. Here's the thing, right? They revealed, I think the Taskmaster reveal was phenomenal. I think it fit the storyline perfectly, but I don't think that's the end of that character. I think with the multiverse opening, you might see the actual Tony Masters as Taskmaster. Someone had to institute the Taskmaster protocol. I don't think Dreykov was the one who did that necessarily. I think he put a, I think he had help. Um, you know, he's shady. He's like a Jeffrey Epstein type shady type of guy who was always in positions of power with powerful men. Like they showed Bill Clinton and they showed him with all the world leaders and in and, and powerful places in the beginning during that intro. Um, you were going to be disappointed because this movie was always going to be about Natasha, her family, her roots, her everything. My gripe with the film is that this should have been a trilogy. I think the film was perfect. I, I think it's absolutely perfect. And as they had the um, joke about, you know, menstruation in there, about getting your periods and stuff, and Florence Pugh added in that phenomenal part of it, which was like, I want to, ex- you know, make it, make it humorous and explain exactly what happens, but in a way that, you know, the audience would find appealing. And they wrote it in, and it's great. It, it, it just works. And I was really scared when, he, when in the movie... Red Guardian mentions when Alexi goes, oh, what is it, your time of the month? You know, 
I was really scared at that specific second because I was like, oh, no, they're going to do what they've done forever. They're going to make fun of it. I can't believe they're doing this. This is such bullshit. And then Yelena comes in and just roasts him and makes it amusing, but also doesn't make it disingenuous and doesn't make it tacky or anything. Like, thank you for that. Like, that's that's really important. And unfortunately, listen, it was a great screenplay. It was written by a man, and it just really... I'm, I'm really upset that they couldn't find a female screenwriter for this. Jack Schaefer was a part of this, who wrote WandaVision. It was phenomenal. You know, she's great. But I wish they could have found a female lead screenwriter. I think that would have gone a long way. Kate Shortland and Scarlett had to bring in other, you know, women to really um, beef up the script with, um, from what I know, with female writers and, you know, had women look over it and really, you know, make sure it it was in tune with with what they wanted a female-led movie to say. This is only Marvel's second female-led superhero film. Captain Marvel is one which I absolutely love that movie. It's a really just fun, light film. And this was the other. And they're both drastically different. They have drastically different tones. Captain Marvel, for as much as I love it, is still at the end of the day kind of like a, you know, it's for younger girls at the end of the day. It's like, you know, I, I don't have anything to prove to you, which is awesome. And we love that. We love Carol. But it's also like, you know, I'm a, you know, like a girl power film. This is not a girl power film. This is going into the depths of assassins, of Russian KGB, of killers, and understanding women are being trafficked, women are having their choices taken away from them, they're being seen as trash. Drakov at one point says the world has too many the women, and that he turns to trash and he recycles it, you know, and he gives them something. And he makes their life worth something. It's heartbreaking. It's it's my favorite Marvel film now. It's my absolute favorite film. I, I, I've wanted to come home and just watch it as like a comfort film. But it's a hard watch. It can be a hard watch. I think it gets easier the more you watch it. But it, it can, that beginning is really, really tough to get through sometimes. Like, it, it's... It'll get you every time, I think. It's pretty It's pretty heartbreaking. Um, but there are something specifically... I mean, I, I ran over the Taskmaster thing. And again, you were going to be disappointed. But it being Dreykov's daughter was just absolutely just broke my heart. Like, that poor girl, you know. And I know that Natasha stood there and felt even worse. Because she didn't kill Dreykov's daughter. She gave her an even worse nightmare. Which is to lose her autonomy and to be under the control of her father and to be a killing machine that's not that's not okay so you know natasha felt worse and you know that it was just you you know just another thing that that she thought about on vormir probably like i did all of these things and i shouldn't be you know here for it um, and I'm going to touch, touch on Vormir and the treatment of Natasha's character in a bit. But I do want to run through the rest of this film. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. So at the end, in the end credit scene, we see Yelena at Natasha's grave. She does the whistling. Uh, Val comes over and gives her an iPad mini and is like, Hey, why don't you go kill the guy who killed your sister? And it's 
Hawkeye, who I I'm fine with it. I I think he, he's just so boring. And when they gave him a family, oh god, just oh my god, just all like just get rid of him now. You know, y'all should have killed him in Ultron. Just terrible. What are you doing? Are you like Joss Whedon? I need to know your line of thinking with giving him a family. Like, what, do you think that would have made him somehow more relatable? Like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm an Avenger and I run around murdering people or killing people or whatever, and I have a very dangerous job, and I'm gonna have a family, and that's relatable. And like, I get it. We have people who risk their lives every day, and very thankful for that, but. It's, you're not running around, you know, you're not a police officer, you're not in the military, you're a freaking Avenger. That level, you're a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and you're an Avenger. The level of threat is 10,000 times more than just being a cop. You know, every job, you know, being a police officer is hard work, being in the army is hard work. Um, and it's dangerous, yeah. Being an Avenger when you're fighting aliens with different technology, that is a whole other threat level. And you're sitting there telling me that the man has three kids and a wife somewhere in, like, Iowa? And you know Laura Barton raised those kids by herself. That man was, that man got himself thrown in jail at the end of Civil War. You know? I, I don't mind Hawkeye. I just feel like he's useless. And that he should have yeeted off the cliff in Vormir. And I'm forever upset that the Russo brothers were like, let's make Matt do it. Because they listened to like their production designer or their set designer or whoever the hell it was who read the script and would be like, yeah, if it was Clint, that would be sad. But if it was Natasha, that would be, you know, even more crippling. And then Scarlett Johansson found out she was going to die. That Natasha was going to die. And she said that she stood in her shower and started to bawl her eyes out. That's how much that character meant to her. And meanwhile, Jeremy Renner wanted his character to die off in the first Avengers film. And they were just like, now nah, we're going to keep him and then we're going to give him a family. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, I digress. Other things to talk about. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to see more of Elena in the Hawkeye series. Uh, she's obviously the future of... Black Widow, and, you know, listen, we're probably going to get a franchise. It'll just be led by Florence Pugh. I'm fine with it. Florence was fantastic. I think she's going to be phenomenal. Yelena is just awesome. Just She is just so great, and she is more ruthless than Natasha ever was, you know, um, in the comics. And the, Natasha in the comics is brutal. We didn't really see it in the movies. I mean, we got brutal Natasha in this movie. But no, like, like Natasha in the comics is really just, wow. She's very brutal. And Yelena is, you know, wor and somehow more brutal, you know? Like, and I really want, I want Kate Shortland to direct all the films. And I want her to really go into depth with Yelena. And I want to see, I, what we never saw with Nat, that I want to see so desperately with this character, with Yelena, is I want these past traumas to be haunting her. I want to see if the brainwashing affects her that she broke out of. Um, I want to see her mentally struggle 
and emotionally and i that we were just now starting to like get kind of with bucky and like with the tv shows and like wanda and stuff i want to see elena because out of everybody who went through shit the widows in the red room went through so much psychological shit you know it's bucky on steroids type shit because bucky was a brainwashed killing machine and just like these girls were yes and they worked hand in hand you know like um hydra you know was working they stole stuff for the winter soldier project it was in accordance to it according to melina and that was terrible and it's along the same lines but the difference is these girls were brought up and yelena says in the film one in 20 become widows Drakov kills 19 girls before one can become a widow. That's disgusting. That's ridiculous. That's abusive. That is the amount of psychological abuse that she went through. Just the amount. I just, I need to see it. And I need to see them go in depth with it. And Florence Pugh is fantastic. And I just really want to see her dig into this character in a way that Scarlet, I don't think ever truly got to until Endgame, when, um, you know, we really saw her emotional, um, and until this movie, where we saw her kind of go through a lot of different emotions, and I think they did a great job with her. Uh, I have issues with the first two Avengers films, and the way they portrayed her. I, I, Joss Whedon, I just don't, I don't get it, what this, what's going through his head. I, think Natasha first of all running around in heels I'm never gonna get over that they he nerfed her they ner- I, I've said it before they nerfed her so hard in those first two films especially the second one what the fuck was that the second movie right where they have the whole Bruce Banner romance and she's like I'm a monster because I can't have kids and she's running around and being like, oh, Bruce, I love you. Let's run away together. That is not what she would have done. Natasha is about the mission all the time. Because that's how widows are. Widows are trained to be about the mission all the time. You are ruthless. Nothing will stop you. And these themes are played throughout the film. They're played throughout the film. That They are on this mission for the Red Room and nothing is getting in their way. Not Alexi, not Melina, not Dr- nothing, not Taskmaster. They are ruthless in their ambition to get to where they need to get to to get rid of the red room to you know help these girls find some type of solace to help them try to navigate and i'm never gonna forgive them for what they did to natasha they just had no idea what to do with her character for the longest time and it was just such garbage you know and i think them I think Yelena might try to be their, like, redemption arc, right, with the Widows. And, like, all right, we didn't do great with her, but let's try with with Florence and let's really get it right. What we have to remember with these female characters in the MCU, everybody, is that 10 years ago, very different landscape. Scarlet walked so that Elizabeth Olsen, Florence Pugh... Zoe Saldana, to a degree, yeah. Um, Brie Larson, you know, so that they could run. Scarlett had to go through all the bullshit, all the sexist questions, all the everything, so that these other women could get up and be like, all right, let's do it. 
Let's do it. Let's give these women franchises. Let's give them same treatment across the board. It's still an uphill battle. It's not there yet. But it's her... I think Scarlet is the main reason they're even where they are. You know, and I think people need to understand, 10 years ago, the landscape was very different. It, it doesn't sound like it is. Excuse me, I think... um you know, when you talk to someone and you're like, oh, yeah, well, this came out in 20, you know, 14, it was a little different. Or this came out in, you know, 2011, it was a little different. Also, Peggy Carter walked so that everyone else could run as well. Of course, of course. Haley Atwell. Atwell, yes. Um, but, guys, 2011, 2010, 2009, when the Iron Man ones came out, very different time period. Very different. I mean, Pepper being kind of that femme fatale in the first two movies made sense for the time period. We were still working our way toward what we have now. Um, and in the third one, you know, being kidnapped and being needed to be saved by Tony, but then, you know, getting the suit and, like, all that. You know, it's her coming in Endgame with the suit and being like, let's go. I really enjoyed that. I, I've enjoyed Pepper Potts as a character. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow did a great job. All these women, you know, Gwyneth and Scarlett really had to work very hard to get the same type of recognition and achievement and um, be looked at as equals to their Chris Evans and their Robert Downey Juniors. So kudos to them. They've really, you know, helped open up the MCU to really great stuff. You know, you don't have a Sylvie who is awesome in Loki without without the women who came before her. So, um, very excited about it. But, um, yeah, looking forward. I There is one thing I do have a major issue with, with, with N- Natasha's character and the whole endgame thing. And to go back to that. And that whole thing is that... You see her, you know, what happened with Taskmaster and um, how she freed um, Antonia and she was like, I'm so sorry and everything. And that she went back to her family and she's so sorry to Yelena, like I should have come back for you. And she, you know, does her best over the course of her career in the MCU to remedy her faults and to clear her ledger and to really be a better person. And I feel like the MCU over and over and over again made Natasha feel worse for her decisions than any male superhero or any other superhero. And I'm only saying men because up to this point, they've, we've seen, we have more men, male superheroes that have made way more questionable decisions. We have seen Natasha feel terrible for her decisions. And she had to, to the point where she had to launch herself off a cliff, even though... She has just cleared that ledger time and time and time again. She's good. She should be leading this new pack. And I understand that Yelena's our new focus. But to make her feel as bad as she does, when Clint wasn't even in Infinity War, when he was running around in Endgame murdering people with a machete, I get it, it's Yakuza, but, like, I don't care. You know, the fact that he even chose to run around and play assassin and vigilante, like... It had to be reined in by Natasha, and Natasha's the one in Endgame holding it all together, and she's the one for five years, um, you know, trying to figure it out with everybody, and she was supposed to, in a cutscene, you know, be running an orphanage, 
the girl, woman has proven herself time and time and time again, and we're still launching her off a cliff. I just, I don't get it. And I get it that Black Widow came out after. I understand it, but I don't like it. And she is my favorite Avenger, so I have issues with it. But um, I digress. Great film. If you haven't seen it, I don't know why you listen to this, but go watch it. Um, very, very excited to see what's next for the Widows in the MCU. Very excited to get more um, Alexi, which I think we're going to get Winterguard. Very excited for more Molina. Very excited for more Yelena. She's phenomenal. And you can see the costume differences between the both of them, you know, in those white snowsuits where Natasha had the skin-tight one like we've known her to have. And Yelena's is baggy and it's not sexualizing and no one wore high heel boots in, in, in this film. Everything's practical. The suit being different is that other Marvel moving forward with st- stopping its sexualization of, of its female characters. They're, I think they're trying to really move forward in that direction. They did the Wanda suit, the Yelena suit, you know, now, which is different. Um, Captain Marvel's suit is not sexualizing in the least. It's tight, but tight doesn't mean sexualize, you know? It's a practical suit. It's got boots. It doesn't have high-heeled boots. It's it's good. Um, I do want to switch topics, uh, and I want to touch upon the NBA and basketball here. And then, as we know, um, the Milwaukee Bucks won the championship, and I'm very happy for them and the fans of Milwaukee and Giannis, who is just, you can't hate that guy. I mean, what a nice guy, you know. I, I'm happy for him. I know they're in the East along with my Celtics, but my boys are going to win it next year. You just wait and see. But very, very happy for the Bucks. I was pulling for the Suns, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I did want to see Chris Paul kind of get that ring, but very happy for the Bucks. Um, there have been questions about whether the NBA should rig its playoffs to get the championship that they want. Um, you know, because obviously, other than Giannis, this wasn't really a superstar-filled title run for either team. I mean, CP3, but then you had Devin Booker, you had Chris Middleton, you had Giannis. That's it. That that was basically your lineup. Um, I think that that's a terrible idea to rig anything. Obviously, sports leagues have their preferences, right? Every sports league has its preference. Um, you think that they wanted that matchup? No, they didn't. No one wants that matchup. No one wanted Cleveland Golden State for four years in a row. Like, come on, man. It was getting exhausting. It was stupid. I hated that. But that's why you play the game. You play it to see what happens. The NBA has preferences. Um, Referees have made very questionable calls. I'm forever salty about the 2010 Game 7 Lakers-Celtics because there was a foul that they called on, I think it was Rasheed Wallace that fouled him out of the game or something. And I remember the replay so vividly. This is the only thing I remember about that game because I, like, blacked out. I swear to God I blacked out during some of these games. Like, I just, I watch it so intently and focused, I just don't remember it. Pau Gasol tripped over his own foot, and they called a foul on, like, Rasheed Wallace, who had been playing so many more minutes because Perk tore his MCL and his PCL, I think, that game. Or the game before. And I just couldn't believe it, and I was just, oh, forever angry about that. It's been 11 years, I'm so angry about it. Anyway, um... No one's going to be rigging anything. They don't rig things. They have preferences, and that's how it works. Everyone has a preference of who they want to see in championship games. You know, the NFL 
had a good uh, Super Bowl, you know, lineup this year. Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. Oh my God, that's that's what they wanted. Oh, absolutely, that's what they wanted. The NFL got its matchup. You know, the NBA, the NBA got its matchup in terms of you know small markets and different faces and younger faces. And it's refreshing to not see LeBron. I'm sick of seeing LeBron. I want to see new people. I want to see Giannis do his thing. I want to see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown do their things. Of course, because I'm a massive Celtics fan. But I want to see the young guys do their things. I want to see Zion thrive. Preferably in New Orleans, if they can figure it out around him with Brandon Ingram. I want to see the small markets in, in the... um Not that Boston's a small market, but... You know what I mean? Like, I want to see different markets and younger talent grow. I want to see Luka Doncic. I want to see these guys. You know, I'm happy Devin Booker got in there, and he probably learned a lot, and he's going to be even better next year. It's going to be awesome. Um, So, no, the NBA should not be rigging anything, ever. Uh, I think it's stupid. If you think they should be rigging things, please get yourself checked, because absolutely not. Uh, they, they don't rig the lottery as much as it feels like they do um i still am questionable about the lottery because it's just weird to me that like the year lebron left they got the cleveland gets the number one pick you know and they get Kyrie or, or i think it was Kyrie or whoever the year that anthony davis leaves new orleans or wants out of new orleans at the very least boom they get the number one pick and get zion so things like that weird me out Right, it's very questionable. It's very strange to me, um, but you know, if the NBA really wanted to rig things, they would have had Zion go to the Knicks, which is where Zion wanted to go. He wanted to go to New York. That's how it would be rigged. Giant market, right? New York, New York Knicks, giant budding superstar Zion Williamson. Put them in the big market. Don't stuff them in New Orleans where there's no market, where there's no media coverage, you know. So, no, it's not rigged. It feels like it, though, right, when you're a fan. It feels like it when you're a fan because you so strongly want your team to win. And when they don't, you're like, nah, this can't be right. And you overanalyze things and, and you think there's no way that this can't be rigged. But if you watch it with clear eyes, guys, nothing's rigged. It just sucks. And referees are human, and some referees suck way more than others. I'm looking at you, Scott Foster. Very harshly. <laughs> you know, like, some referees are atrocious at their jobs. Some of them are good. It depends. And the NBA really just sets some referee lineups up sometimes where you shake your head and you're like, no, no. We're going to automatic L tonight. And yeah, that is that is what happens. That is what happens. When Tommy Heinsohn was, was alive, God rest that man's soul, he was, oh, he hated, he hated some of those refs. He was getting ready. He, he was ready every night to fight the referees. If you guys never watched the um, Celtics broadcast with Tommy Heinsohn, I'm so sorry because I find it somewhere, you know, um, especially when Isaiah Thomas was here playing, you know, like the 5'9 Isaiah Thomas. He'd call him the little guy, and he, oh, he loved Isaiah Thomas. It was so enjoyable to watch, but he was ready to fight any referee at any given time. You know, like, he was just like, let's go, man. The Celtics could do no wrong. He was a great broadcaster, and the Celtics could do no wrong. And as a fan, it was so fun to watch. It was so fun to watch him. 
and and feel that and you felt in your in your veins like that yeah that's my broadcaster that's my guy because these refs obviously suck you tell them tommy it was it was it was cool so no the nba's not rigged the nfl's not rigged they just have preferences and it sucks sometimes and it's sometimes it's uh very it does get questionable i'm not gonna lie it does it gets like oh it's convenient for the league isn't it or it's convenient to prop their superstar up like that but you know superstar calls exist for a reason as well luka Doncic is starting to get those jason tatum is starting to get those tom brady has gotten those for a very long time at this point mahomes is starting to get them um kobe used to get them all the time lebron gets them all the time Giannis gets them all. The, oh my God, Giannis gets so many. You know, it's just the nature of it. Those superstar calls flip the game sometimes. Giannis might have seventeen free throws, and the whole Phoenix Suns team had like sixteen. I think that was an actual stat from a game or something. So yeah, those things do happen. It's not rigged. It's not going to be rigged. None of it's rigged. It just sucks. <laughs> That's it. That's all it is. That's that's all it is. Um, if it was rigged, I can tell you that the NBA would have found a way to get the Celtics into the finals last year against the Lakers. Absolutely. In a year where they lost so much revenue because you couldn't have fans in the arenas because of COVID, you think they wanted the Miami Heat to, to play against the Lakers? No. They would have wanted budding superstars Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown against super, against all-star Anthony Davis and superstar LeBron James. Of course, of course, of course. Especially when the Celtics tried to get Anthony Davis and failed and all the comments that Davis's dummy dad made um, about the Celtics and, oh, I don't want my son going there. Shut up. Jesus Christ. I think it was fun watching the Miami Heat try. I don't know. Jimmy Butler, you know, had went bonkers in the bubble. Some players, you know, went bananas in the bubble. But it would have been more fun if the Celtics were in it. And if the, Cel- if the NBA was truly a rigged sport, it would have been Celtics-Lakers last year. That's it. It's that easy. Like, it's... Because there were times where it where it was a close game, and if you just blew the whistle the other way, the Celtics would have won. So, it, you know, they didn't do that because they're not looking to rig. They're just looking for a good matchup, and they're looking whoever whoever wins. That's why you play the game. Whoever wins a sport, but everyone has every right to be annoyed with officiating at any time because officiating is not perfect. It's very far from it. It's a hard job. And kudos to, to the referees because it is a fast-moving game. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of limbs. There's a lot of movement. But, yeah, you have every right to be upset about it. Um, On that note, I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Definitely check out Black Widow for the millionth time. I'm going to be watching it for the millionth time because that's my favorite movie. Um, oh, also, before I leave, there was one thing I wanted to touch upon in the future um, with Scarlett Johansson specifically. Her contract with the MCU is up. That's correct. But, huge but. One, 
the end of that extra credit scene in Black Widow when Yelena whistles and no one whistles back, Kate Shortland filmed an alternate ending where someone whistles back. There's only one person who knows about the whistle, and it is Natasha. That's it. So, and with that, and with the opening of the multiverse, and I don't think anyone should ever take any Marvel actor or studio or anybody who works there, take their take their words with a grain of salt because they are hiding things 99% of the time that they don't want you to know about. They're very hush-hush. It's notorious, right? Everyone knows about this, about Marvel Studios. Everything is hush-hush. Um... And they're not allowed to say anything ever. I don't think we're done completely with Natasha Romanoff. I think that... I don't think, like, we're gonna get as much of her as we, you know, did. But I think with the opening of the multiverse, what's gonna happen is we're gonna get, like, a big Avengers film down the line. Maybe in, like, a year or two. And I think we're gonna get both Natasha Romanoff and Steve Rogers in this film. We're not going to get Robert Downey Jr. because I really think the man is just done. Like, done, done with it. But, I think we're going to see a big, big, big Avengers movie. And we're going to see Scarlett Johansson fighting with Florence Pugh. And we're going to see Chris Evans fighting with um, Anthony Mackie. I mean, how much fun would that be, right? How much fun would it be to have both Caps fighting with each other alongside each other I should say you know against the bigger cause and how much fun would it be to see both widows and sisters and you know the the thought is we don't know this for sure but the thought is that maybe Yelena was snapped and she wasn't she came back five years later and Natasha's dead like she didn't get to see her sister like it's just so heartbreaking all of it it's just so heartbreaking and I loved their dynamic, and I think Marvel really needs to bring her back and give us more of that sister dynamic, because I thought it was just so much fun, you know, and there was no forced weird romance, and I loved that so much. That sister dynamic was super fun, they played off each other so well, their chemistry was just so, so superb, and I want to see Nat come back, and I want to see her see, you know, see Wanda, and you know Wanda's upset. She's upset about Vision, but she's upset about Natasha, too. There's a uh, cut scene from a storyboard of WandaVision where she, you know, she talks about it. And she's like, so what if you're Natasha, you get, like, jack shit, basically, right? She was upset about it. And so that's confirmed now that she was upset about it. I I really do think we're going to get that type of film. And I'm excited about it. And um, I think that seeing... I don't know how they would do it, bring her back, but I think they've left the door open. I do. I, I don't know if it's reaching or what, whatever it is. I think they've left the door open, and I'm excited about it. And I don't think they could have necessarily used that scene of the whistle back right now because that would have meant Scarlet would... I think have to be in more recent projects like pop up in like the next two months or something like but if you hold on to something like that and you use it just in case down the line when you really you know and maybe you use it in some film like a year from now and you were like what really happened or whatever and you hear the whistle back or you can just use the audio just whistle back 
in some other scene where, you know, Florence Pugh is maybe doing that whistle, maybe that's, like, something she does throughout the MCU now. Like, when she wins a battle or when she does something heroic that she thinks Nat would be proud of her for, she does the whistle. And maybe one time, Natasha whistles back. And boom, that's the point. You bring Scarlett Johansson back for whether it be a cameo, whether it be a movie, like, with Yelena and, like, Wanda and... Um, Carol Danvers, how much fun would that be? I am, I am so excited. I'm so excited. I think that that's going to be something they're going to do. And I think they should do it. I think they should do it. And I want, um, I want Nat to kind of, you know, reunite with that family again. And I, I just think they were such a fun family. That's a family. Clint's Blah blah bullshit. I I hate his stuff. I I just I hate what they did with him because he like got raised in a circus and like all like cool. He's funny. They just made him weird. I don't know. They I don't think they really knew what to do with him either. They kind of bumbled the shield agents. They fumbled them around. Um. And if they do bring Natasha back, I don't want forced romances. I don't. I don't want a Yelena forced romance either. They didn't give us Bucky Natasha, which is super sad. But if you look at Natasha in the MCU, I mean, Scarlett Johansson played her pretty gay. So if they bring back, um, bring her back, I think the only acceptable romance is Maria Hill. Spy girlfriends. I think that's the only one you can do. And that's the best one. Like, that is phenomenal. I can go in depth into it, but (laughs) I'm not going to. But that's that's a that's what that would be a really good one. Um, all right, guys, thank you so much for real this time. Uh, I will see you on the next episode and have yourselves a great day. Damn it, Wade!